Well, good morning. So good to be with you today. And uh, aren't we just uh, rejoicing in what God is doing? So many good things. Here we are, day four of our time of preparation, of prayer and of fasting, and, uh, and just intentionally seeking the Lord in this time. As we've noted last week, that so many things are happening at such a fast pace, and we could be tempted to begin to live into the future and to be thinking about coming out the other side into level three of lockdown. And we're not actually focusing on the now and what God is doing and saying among us in these days. So I just want to encourage you again uh, that as we take this week leading up to Pentecost next week Sunday, that we take time just to intentionally pull aside, that we slow down, that we keep our focus and we say, Lord, what is it that you're doing right here, right now? What are the things that you're wanting me to learn? Uh, how is it that I need to be responding to what you are doing rather than responding to all the things that are happening in the news and things around about us? Yeah, you know, we, we get bombarded with so many different things. You know, our friends and family members and everybody's got their theory as to what's really going on. Actually, it doesn't really matter in one sense because God is sovereign, he's really, really big and he's able to use anything and any situation to accomplish his purposes. And so let's not panic about who's behind all of these things in terms of the natural, but let's begin to look into the spiritual side, begin to see what God is doing. And we know that he's shaking the nations. He said, once more, I will shake the heavens and the earth so that the things that cannot be shaken, the eternal things, the things of the kingdom, these things will remain. And obviously, by contrast, all the things that are not of God, they will actually come crumbling down. And so God is working powerfully in the season and he's causing out of his heart of love for false things that people had previously put their hope and their trust in, he's causing those things to come crumbling down and it's out of his love because he wants people to see that they shouldn't be trusting in these things so that they can turn away from those things and turn back to the Lord. And that's actually what we're wanting to see take place in our lives, in our hearts, in our thinking, our understanding, that we begin to embrace a kingdom view on what's going on and not be so concerned about things in the earthly realm. And you know, God's people have been through ups and downs. They've, they've been through so many different um, seasons throughout the ages. So this is nothing new and, and, and the, the gospel writers and the apostles uh, and when they wrote the epistles and Paul's letters filled with exhortation, encouragement, run the race, hold your course, persevere you, through times of difficulty, persecution, attack, slander, whatever it might be, even suffering the confiscation of your possessions but do it with joy, with a cheerful heart, knowing that our eyes are on eternal things, not just on temporary things. So I, I just want to encourage you, just as we start out this morning, that you, you get an eternal perspective and that you're going after the things that really matter. 
So, you know, in, in these next days, we've got another week. If you hadn't been joining us, no problem. Today's a new day. How about you jump on? And so we're taking these days just to prepare ourselves. And one of the ways in which we're doing it, we're taking a leaf out of Daniel chapter 1. And, uh, and Daniel and his, his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they... Uh, didn't have all of the choice foods and the wine and all the things from the king's table. And uh, so they focused uh, in, in a time of preparation. They had vegetables and water and these kinds of things. And it says that when the king examined these guys, obviously it was a much longer period of preparation than just the 10 days. But the king found them to be 10 times wiser uh, filled with knowledge and understanding than all of the others who had been through the time of preparation. And it's because they went that extra level. And so I want to encourage us, let's go the extra level in these days of preparation. And uh, so let's put aside some of the other sweets and treats and things. And, and let's focus our eyes and our hearts on what the Lord's doing. And let's allow Him to shine his light into our hearts in this time of, of potential darkness and discouragement. But let's be seeing what the Lord is doing, what he's saying to our lives, to our hearts. And, and let's uh, embrace some adjustments. Let's allow this to be a season of transformation. You know, there's a cocooning in this time of isolation, in this lockdown. So let's cocoon ourselves that we might undergo a transition and a transformation. Remember that in a cocoon, whatever's inside the cocoon has got everything it needs in order for that transformation process to take place. What am I saying? The Lord has got you, he's got this, and he's given to you everything that you need in order to come through this transition that you might come out much like the butterfly emerges from the cocoon, that you might come through into a better place, a stronger place, uh, because God is working on the inside of you and causing a transformation to take place. We're wanting to come into a place of greater maturity in the Lord. So don't waste the crisis. Use this opportunity to, to grow and to develop. Can I just add that maybe this week, let's just increase it another level. So when you're stepping out of your house for some exercise, and the Bible does say that exercise has some value. <laughs> so as we are exercising, we want to get fit, we want to get healthy. You know, this, this time of Daniel fasting and a bit like detoxing. But not only is it an opportunity for exercise, but you've got good reason. In fact, the government is basically saying, hey, get out on the streets, go for it. Well, why don't we use this opportunity and we go on prayer walks? So as we're walking, we're praying for the, the houses and you know, just be thinking of the people who are staying in the different homes and, and begin to extend your prayers that the people would encounter the living God. As you walk through your neighborhood and you go past a school, let's begin to pray for the schools that are preparing for, for opening up on the other side of this lockdown. But let's be praying that there's a, a revival that will come through in this younger generation. 
So we're praying for our schools. Let's be praying as we go past different church buildings and it's representing the places where people gather. We know that the church is not the building. (laughs) The church is the people of God, but it represents when people gather. But let's be praying that many people, many Christians, many churches would encounter a renewal of the Holy Spirit. You know, we're leading up to Pentecost where there was the outpouring of the Spirit. Let's be praying there'd be a revival across the land. All churches being caught up in what God is doing. So we're praying for our our fellow believers, our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. So let's be praying for churches. If perhaps you're going past houses and you, you know that there's a business that's operating from that house. Well, let's be praying for entrepreneurs, praying for business. We wanna pray for a, a supernatural turnaround in our economy. I mean, this is not sort of humanly possible. You know, people say, well, what are you talking about? But God, <laughs> we're not just going to just, well, you know, we're gonna go through the motions and we've seen the other nations have done this. Why do we have to be like all the other nations? No, we don't. We can express our hope, our faith, our confidence in the living God that he's gonna do something different, something unique, something unusual. So we go back to the prophetic word that Sean Bolts released over South Africa when we gathered together for the Kingdom Come SA conference in February of 2020. And he spoke a word that, that there was gonna be some discoveries that God has got things hidden in the land, in the ground, and there were gonna be some discoveries that we're going to release the finances and the resource that was going to be enough to solve the financial crisis of the nation. Whew, what a word, right? Amazing. So God knew that we were gonna be facing coronavirus and all the effects of this, that we were gonna step into this in 2020. But he gave us prophetic words beforehand that would encourage us to trust him, to lean on him, not on our own understanding, but we're leaning on him, that we might have hope in the God of all hope. And you know what? God's hopeful for South Africa. He's got good plans, good intentions for Joyburg and for the whole nation. So our confidence is in the Lord. He has got a good way to turn things around. So let's be trusting and praying into it. So as you're walking the streets, with this in mind, it's the word of the Lord, with this in mind, we begin to declare innovation, inventions, greater efficiencies, clean, green, uh, sustainable energy solutions. We, we, we declaring corruption is not only going to be you know, noted, but it's actually gonna be dealt with and decisively. Now we've not seen this up until this point. Well, for such a time as this. So we begin to declare, things are going to be different. Well, when people in the media say, there's going to be a new normal, and the government says, there's going to be a new normal. Hey, I am all for a new normal when it comes to corruption in this economy. How about we have a new normal of righteousness and honesty and integrity and transparency and fair trade? You name all those good things. How about that becomes the new normal? 
So when you're walking, just begin to declare and pray. Now don't panic because, you know, you've been given a mask. So you wear a mask and you can be praying and people won't think that you've lost your marbles because your lips are moving as you're walking up and down the street. It's kind of like, it's, you've got a great reason to be praying and praying in the language of the Spirit and to begin to declare and prophesy all the good things that God has for your suburb, your neighborhood. Hey, how about... How about the value of homes in your suburb increases? Doesn't lose value, but increases in value in this time. Come on, it's gonna take people of faith to actually step out, boldness and courage, and make some big, bold declarations. And we're gonna see God come through powerfully for us. So, hey, I'm... I'm excited, maybe you could tell. <laughs> but in, in these days of preparation, I think the Lord is, is stirring something deep inside of us to trust Him for the more. So Breakthrough family and friends from uh, all over and around the world, I, I want you to step into seeing things with kingdom vision. The King and His kingdom rules and reigns for all of eternity. And these little blips on the radar, these dips on the graph, it's not the final word. It's not the end of the story. We know that Lord, he leads us in victory and in triumph. So we've got great confidence in him. So allow the Holy Spirit just to cause a surge of faith and hope on the inside of you to trust him that the best is yet to come. And that he's, he's got us, he's got you, he's, he's got your family, he's got your business, he's got your finances, and he's gonna make a way where there seems to be no way. So let's keep on keeping on and uh, let's lean into the Lord. So there we go. All right. Uh, just one other thing before I, I, I jump into uh, the word this morning. And that is, uh, just a, again, a special invitation. If you're part of the, the, the folk who, who are hanging around this amazing company of people, the Breakthrough Life Church family, but you're not yet connected into a community connect group, you know, God has put inside of us the desire, the need to belong, to be part of something, and uh, to be able to encourage others and be encouraged by others. So folks, reach out to us and, uh, and just let us know through the website. You'll see that there's a tab and just fill out the form requesting to be uh, placed into a community connect group and we'll get this organized for you because we weren't designed to walk alone. Now, this is the whole thing with Adam and Eve. Uh, Adam, especially in the garden. Adam, not designed to walk alone. So uh, it's God's intention to place us in families. We see this in Psalms. And so it's, it's part of what God's got for you that you can actually be in, uh, in collaboration and in connection with, uh, with brothers and sisters who encourage you. So just uh, wanna bring that to you. All right, as we change gears now, I just want to uh, share a, a 
I was going to say for a little bit. <laughs> when was I ever able to do that? <laughs> I can hear you laughing in your lounge. All right. But I just want to share a little bit as we've been uh, looking through uh, Joel chapter 2 and understanding what was happening in, in the book. You know, there's the whole thing of the locusts that's been declared and prophesied in Joel chapter 1. And uh, these four different swarms and kinds of locusts that have come through, devastation. And, and then the Lord just you know, calls people to, to just prepare themselves, rend their hearts, not just their garments, that pull aside, that fast and, and press in and seek the Lord. And then there's the promise of restoration that the Lord's going to release the new wine and the new grain and all of these good things. It says, and then afterward, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And that's in Joel chapter two. And we know that Peter, he quotes this passage on the day of Pentecost. We're going to look at this a little bit more next week. But the whole thing of the outpouring of the Spirit, it came afterward and it was after a time of preparation and it was after a time of great devastation. And so the, the locusts came through and it's a little bit like, you know, pestilence coming through, um, like a plague. And, uh, and so this virus is like a plague that's attacking the earth. And so uh, the Lord's promises, we can see that there's a, a correlation with what the Lord's doing and with what he's saying to us and uh, what's happening on the planet right now. And so there's this, this preparation time beforehand. And uh, because Peter, he takes this prophecy from Joel chapter 2 and then he brings it into Pentecost and he, there's a link if you like with these words and Pentecost. Now Pentecost, all the people were gathered in Jerusalem because they were celebrating a particular festival. And so there's roots, there's origins of what we are remembering and celebrating as new covenant believers. There are roots in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. Now we know that the Old Covenant and the Old Testament is the shadow and the New Testament, the New Covenant, is the substance. And so the Old Covenant points to something that Jesus would fulfill. So Jesus is the reality. Jesus is the substance. He's the fulfillment of the prophetic signs that all these festivals and feasts we're pointing to. And so we don't want to go back to the old and try and live there and try and reenact them as though that was the real thing. No, Colossians says Jesus has fulfilled all these things. In other words, we don't have to try and become like Hebrews in our living and our eating and our dress and all of these things as though that was the substance. No, those were just the signs pointing to the reality of what Jesus came to fulfill. It would be much like the Pharisees who spent their lives delving into the scriptures and they were students and they were studied people, they were learned people. But when Jesus came and stood in front of them, they couldn't recognize that Jesus was the fulfillment. He was the substance. They rather clung to the old instead of embracing the new. How tragic to have Jesus in front of you and you say, no, 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 I'd rather have the shadow than really want the substance. That would be ludicrous. 
So it's just a caution for us that even though we look to the shadow, we look to the origins of Pentecost, it's for us just to have a little bit of an outline as to what was going on in terms of the origins of it. But it's not that we can go back and we can try and do everything that they did. It's just to help us get a context so that we can fully embrace the new and step into the substance of, uh, of what Jesus came, came to do for us. So the, the people of Israel They'd come out of bondage, out of slavery. They'd been in slavery for about 430 years. Remember that there was a famine in the land 430 years earlier. Joseph had been elevated. He was like the prime minister. And uh, because of God revealing dreams, funnily enough to a a non-believer, Pharaoh, the dream of the seven fat cows and then the seven thin cows and the thin cows came and ate the seven fat cows. And uh, again, the, the dream unfolded in a different way with the, uh, the ears of, of, uh, of grain. So there was the preparation that was made. Jacob sent the other sons. So the 11 of them went uh, from Canaan area, went to Egypt to go and buy grain and a uh, long story, but reunited the family and uh, invitation, Jacob and the whole clan, um, but 70 of them went and they settled in, in Egypt. But they were uh, fruitful and they increased in number and they multiplied and they grew into a large nation. Another Pharaoh grew up, didn't understand the whole relationship and then subjected the, the Hebrews so now they were slaves, and, uh, and God heard their cries, raised up a deliverer, Moses, and uh, he goes and he says to Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. There were the 10 plagues because Pharaoh had hardened his heart and he would not um, let the people go and worship the Lord. And, uh, and God says, hey, I'm gonna use this to show my strength and my power. And so the plagues, were an opportunity, get this, for God to demonstrate his power and his glory. And, uh, and by halfway through the plagues, you see for the first few plagues, the, the diviners and the sorcerers and the enchanters, the, the magicians of, of Egypt, they tried to match, and they were doing a little bit of hocus pocus there, they were trying to match the, the, the signs and uh, the miracles that God was doing among the nation. And, um, and then it got to a point where they could no longer match what God was doing. And they had to admit, wow, God, what he's doing, that is just like next level stuff. Not only that, but about the same time, what happens is we see that there's this increasing distinction between what's happening uh, amongst the Egyptians with the plagues, but yet the people of God are untouched. <laughs> I've, been, I've been on this for a little while, so I'm just gonna sneak it in here. But I am so fully convinced that God's hand is on his people that there's a 
distinction that's being made in these times of the plague where God's hand is so on his people to shield and protect them that he's causing us to accelerate and he's causing us to elevate. So there's an acceleration of the body of Christ. There's an acceleration in the kingdom and we're seeing an acceleration in, in all of our, um, our involvement. And so again, testimonies, people getting contracts, people getting jobs, uh, people expanding in this time. Now I understand that it's not everybody, but these testimonies are pointers, they signposts of what God is able to do and wanting to do for each of us. So it's to provoke us, these prophetic signs are to provoke us from where we are to the destination where we're meant to be going. So, the distinction, the favor of God is resting on his people, it's resting on you. You are going to step into breakthroughs in this season. This is the season for your breakthrough. And so as we're trusting the Lord, we're seeing this elevation He's causing us to rise up above. And, uh, and so let's be holding on to the Lord for our individual breakthrough. And so we're seeing a distinction. The hand of God, his favor is resting on his people and he's raising us up. Other people suffering, but it's to shake them out of their ill-founded confidence in the wrong things and so there's a stripping away just like the locusts come and they strip away this is the whole thing of Joel stripping away so that we might turn to the living God we might seek him and his favor on our lives all right so it's time for me just to move a little bit away from this thing of favor but (laughs) it's amazing how it does tie in to this whole celebration of Pentecost. Because Pentecost, one of the things around the celebration of Pentecost was that it was to celebrate the, it was called the Festival of Weeks, and it was the gathering in of the harvest. (laughs) And of course, we'll look next week at the whole thing of Pentecost and the harvest and revival and the Holy Spirit and evangelism and, ooh, exciting. But they were celebrating the harvest at Pentecost and they were celebrating God's favor and his provision um, for God's people. So again, this thing of favor on God's people. So a couple of other things about Pentecost. Now let's go back, let's look at the shadow and, uh, and see what we can pick up from that um, and find the relevance for us as we move into these days. So... It took them seven weeks to come from uh, Egypt and uh, through the Red Sea and then into the wilderness and eventually they end up at Mount Sinai. And so God calls them and it's exactly 50 days and we get from the Greek word pente, which is means 50, Pentecost. So 50 days after the Passover and God meets with them there at the mountain, Mount Sinai. They also celebrate the harvest and of course they're in the wilderness so there's not a lot of harvest going on there. But it was also prophetically speaking about when they would step into the promised land. Remember, when they came into the promised land, they crossed through the Jordan, 
They cross over its flood stage of the river. Not only that, but it's also harvest time as they step into their inheritance into the promised land. And God was beginning to show them prophetically his provision of harvest and of abundance when we're inside his inheritance, when we're inside the promised land. So his favor resting upon God's people. And of course, remember, when they went into the promised land, they hadn't planted those crops. They just got to reap the harvest that was there ready, waiting for them. Just so many things, nuances, as God has for us in the word, what we can expect to experience in our lives as we shift through this Pentecost season. But as they came to the mountain of the Lord, uh, we're going to see this and perhaps you can begin to turn there in Exodus chapter 19. And this is the passage I just wanted us to look at this morning. There's a time of preparation before they receive the gift of the giving of God's commandments, the law, God's design. And uh, so there's the feast of Pentecost or Shavuot in, is the, the Hebrew name. It celebrates the giving of the law, the Torah. And it's a gift that they received from the Lord. And it was also the time when they entered into a covenant, like a marriage or a relationship with God, where God said, I will be yours and you will be mine. And the people said, yes, we agree. And so there's this entering into the covenant relationship with God. And, uh, and so there's this marriage kind of thing that takes place and we celebrate this covenant of Mount Sinai, the giving of the law, we do this at Pentecost. So there's a lot of rejoicing and celebrating. If we look at the, the Old Testament celebration of this festival, that it was done with great joy and with feasting. It was a harvest time and celebration and praise. Oh, Man, doesn't that just speak of our Pentecost? It's a, a celebration of, of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we'll come back to that next week. But as the people were getting themselves ready to meet with God, it says that they pulled aside. And so let's just um, turn to Exodus chapter 19 and uh, we'll pick it up from verse three. You ready? Then Moses went up to God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Can you see that? The distinction between the way the Lord handled and dealt with the people of Egypt unbelievers and the people of Israel, the believers, right? So we see that coming through again. Verse five. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession, right? With the apple of his eye. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me 
a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Oh my goodness. Doesn't that just do something deep inside of you? This was God's intention all along from the beginning. And we see Peter, when he writes in the first letter of Peter, chapter two, he says, but now you are, once you Gentiles, that's us, non-Jewish people, once you are not the people of God, but now you are the people of God. You have become this, this nation, this holy nation, this royal priesthood. We have become participants in the kingdom of God. He is our king and we've been adopted into the royal family. Oh, so, so good. But this was God's plan and intention from the beginning. And so he reaches out this and extends this invitation to, to the, the people. Um, so these are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So this was God, in, you know, this is like the preparation time. They're about to exchange the vows, going to get married, going to enter into covenant. And so this is, you know, the, the, the whole time of preparation, eh? but like a courtship going on here. So Moses speaks, then God speaks, and the people speak, and the, this whole this interaction thing that's happening. So verse seven, Moses goes back, he summoned the elders of the people and he set before them the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, we will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought the answer back to the Lord. That's a bit like a courtship going on here. Verse nine, the Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people have said. Isn't this just extraordinary? The way the Lord set up Moses, that he would have this place of being honored and revered because of his relationship with the Lord. You know, I think that God is gonna do this for us. God is going to cause us to be elevated because of our relationship with God and people will see, will recognize that there's something different about, about the way we live and so they're going to be wanting to uh, enter into contracts and do things with us. They're going to open up doors. There's going to be favor that's going to be expressed to God's people because of God's hand that is on us. So I think that there's some, some hints of this in, uh, in this verse here, the way that the Lord is so gracious to position Moses for favor among the people. All right, then verse 10. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Make them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they approach the mountain. <laughs> sounds a bit like a lockdown to me. You can only go certain places, certain times. Anyway, just 
I'm just messing with you guys, man. Stay with me here. Verse 14. So after Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for on the third day and even abstain from sexual relations. In other words, there was this intense separation, consecration, a devotion to the Lord, a a, a recognition that there wasn't to be the interaction on the human to human level where there was to be the, the, the fellowship and relationship. It was meant to be superseded by the relationship with God. And so there was a preparation, a coming aside, if you like, a a washing of clothes, a symbolic cleansing in this preparation in order to meet with God. That's the point I want to leave with you. In these days leading up to our own Pentecost that we're gonna celebrate, we're preparing ourselves, there's a cleansing There's a separating ourselves from various other things. There's a a, a single heart focus on the things of the Lord that we might meet with Him, we might encounter Him, we might have a supernatural interaction with Him and that we would ensure that we are ready to meet with the Lord, that we're not doing things that dishonor him or displease him. We're not doing our own thing, but we are submitting to what the Lord is saying to us. So verse 16, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and with a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Yeah, come on. This trembling, shaking, quaking in the presence of the Lord. It's not a newfangled, charismatic thing, people. When people encounter the living God, often accompanied by some trembling. Verse 17, then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. Hey, isn't this like Joel chapter two and in the last days and there'll be blood, which speaks of the covenant, and there'll be smoke and there'll be fire, trembling. Oh, my goodness. There's echoes, if you like, of this encounter, which is Pentecost, which was the people having a supernatural encounter with the living God. Fire and smoke and trembling and lightning and thunder and all of these things going on. And you know, we'll, we'll look next week, hopefully, or subsequent weeks. But the writer to the book of Hebrews says, hey, you've not come to Mount Sinai, but we've come to Mount, Mount Zion. And, and so there's this whole recognition that the new covenant is different from the old covenant. And so we come to a, a, a holy place. So if we come into a holy place, the, holy, the word holy means to separate 
out to consecrate, to be dedicated towards. So we want to be holy even as God is holy. We want to consecrate ourselves in these days. We want to separate our thinking from the world's thinking. People are in fear and panic and conspiracy theories and worried about all these things. No, we separate our thinking and we think the way the kingdom thinks, which is there is a king, he's the ruler over all, and his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and will not be shaken, will not come to an end, will not be moved or removed. And that kingdom is advancing and we, as those who've been adopted into the king's family, as a royal priesthood and a holy nation, we get to participate in the advance, in the expansion and the elevation of God's kingdom in this time, in this hour, in this season. Folks, good things are happening right now. But if we are running around and we're thinking the way the world's thinking, we're gonna miss it. We won't see what God is saying and what he's doing. That's why we need to pull ourselves aside and we need to embrace kingdom way of thinking. Remember when John, he came, a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. He said, repent, change the way you think for the kingdom is coming. Jesus, when he started his earthly ministry. Same message, repent, think differently, change the way you think because the kingdom is at hand. So we need to think differently from the way the world thinks. We pull aside from the way the media is portraying things, all these different tides of thoughts and opinions that are coming against us. We pull away from that that's the whole thing of holy, to consecrate. So we, we embrace God thoughts. We consecrate ourselves. Later on in um, chapter 20, Exodus 20, at the receiving of the commandments, the 10 words of God, the instructions, it showed the kinds of things that God wants us to do to live a life that pleases Him. Now it's not so much about external rules and regulations because we know that that's not what God is calling us to. He's calling us to an inward reality of living these things. So there's the prophetic promise all through the old covenant. It says, you know what? There's coming a new day when I will establish a new covenant with you and I will write my laws on your hearts. I will take out your heart of stone and I will put within you a heart of flesh and I will write on your hearts. Speaking about the outpouring of the Spirit, the new birth experience, about God leading us from the inside and then outwardly, we, we live and we respond, but it's based on an inward reality. It's not an external set of laws or rules that we try to conform to. However, 
God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the things that please God in terms of the inward actions, which result in external actions, it's the same things. You shall have no other God but the living God. So do not lie. Do not cheat. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do not envy. Do not covet others' possessions. These things, as we are preparing ourselves, let's allow the light of the Holy Spirit to shine in our hearts to see are we living in accordance, are we in alignment with God's word? I just encountered somebody this week just saying, you know, wow, we were looking for this thing. And uh, so in the absence of not having help in the house, they went looking and searching for things and to discover that more and more things had been stolen. And it's just a, a devastating thing when things are precious to you and they're gone. And I just was reflecting, you know, some of these people who were helping in this particular household claimed to believe in the living God, but their actions were not in alignment with what they said. The internal belief system with regards to what it means to live a life that pleases the Lord, clearly he says, do not steal. And folks, can I be really clear? It's do not steal, full stop. It's not saying, oh, if they're not from your tribe or your clan, it's okay to steal. It's just you cannot steal from your own people. No, no. <laughs> Do not steal. End of story. If it's not yours, it's not yours. Do not take it. We need to come back to the truth of God's word. Forget culture. Forget what other people say. Well, it's okay. Everybody else is doing it. You know, it doesn't really matter. No. If you owe the tax man, you owe the tax man. What a privilege that God has given you income that you can pay taxes. Rejoice at the favor of God that he's given you enough that you come into a category where you can pay your taxes. It's a privilege. Do it. All of it. We need to be people who are honest. How about this thing? Do not commit adultery or do not covet another man's wife. The whole thing to this is every single human is made in God's image. And so we look, men, we look at women as daughters of the Most High. Some of them don't know they're daughters, but they've been made by God created by him in his image. So get your mind and your eyes off those filthy images because they are degrading 
to those whom God says precious. It's time to put away that stuff. This is a week of cleansing and of preparation. This is a time to deal with those deep issues that have been hidden. Now is time. Allow the Holy Spirit to shine his light and to set you free from those things. It's not like, well, I don't know, you know, is it okay, is it not okay? No, you know, because you have the Holy Spirit. So deal with people correctly, righteously. The way you look at people, the way you speak to people, the way you're treating them, the way you're honoring them, the way you're paying people for good work, the way you honor your commitments. If you owe somebody money, to the best of your ability, pay them. If you're finding it difficult in these business times to be able to find the cash flow, talk, negotiate, but don't ignore and don't do it dirty because that's not the way of the kingdom. This is how the favor of God is gonna rest on his people when we go out of our way to help others, even if we are struggling. And we'll find that there's gonna be significant increase blessing and anointing on your business when we follow these ways of the Lord. So I'm talking to you straight this morning. But this needs to be said. If we want the gift of the Holy Spirit, then we must be holy. We must consecrate ourselves, prepare ourselves for an encounter, for a meeting with the living God. So I wanna encourage you as I close this morning. Take every opportunity, don't waste the crisis. We've got this period of lockdown. We've got time to be able to do things. We're not stuck in traffic. We're not running around doing business travel, any of these other things. We've got time to set things in order and to work on the deep things in our hearts and our lives. And we know what it is to do. So take some time, go and have a look. Exodus chapter 19 and Exodus chapter 20. And just allow the Lord just to, to bring these things to your heart and to your mind that we might turn from these things. You know, turning is a, is a decision of the heart and the mind and the will. Hey, I'm not gonna live like that anymore. I'm gonna turn towards what God says. It's not what I say. It's not what the world says. Repenting is, oh, I'm actually going to agree with God. I'm going to come into alignment. If God says it's wrong, then it's wrong. Not because I rationalize it away. No, no, it's wrong. I agree with God. You say it's wrong. It's wrong. I agree. I come into alignment. Now help me. I want to turn from old ways and old thinking and I want to come into freedom. I want to come into alignment with what you're saying. So let's take this week to do this. Let's get ourselves ready that we might be in the position internally, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, all of these things that we might receive the gift that God has for us. He's a good father. He's got good gifts for us. But as we're preparing, you know, much like the folks there on the Mount Sinai, 
we're getting ready for that ratification of the Mosaic Covenant, the covenant instituted through, through Moses, that we get ready, in a sense, that covenant relationship with God. Affirm again. You are my God. I belong to you. You belong to me. And that we're ready to embrace that with fresh zeal and passion. So I just want to pray for you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are powerfully at work in our lives. You causing us to come out of darkness and into light. You're giving us this time because you love us so much. You're giving us this time to prepare our hearts that we would come into alignment with your word and what you say to us. Holy Spirit, give us the courage to say no to the things of the past and to, to turn our back on those things and to turn away from them. And give us the grace as we prepare ourselves, as we, we consecrate, we give ourselves again afresh and anew to, to the King and His ways, to our Lord. You are our master. And so we, we yield ourselves, we submit our lives to you, afresh and anew today. And in these days, as you, as you show us things that we, evermore, we step closer into alignment with you. May your grace rest upon each one. May your protection be over every household to shield and protect from virus, from other health issues. May your provision, Lord, be our portion. Give us today our daily bread. Thank you that we have everything we have need of to live spiritual, godly lives that will please you. To you be all praise, honor, and glory. Amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you, family. Thank you for, for joining us today. I, I just want to say to those who have made it this far. If you've never stepped into that relational connection with God, if you've never opened your heart to encounter the forgiving love of God, because He came in Jesus, the Son of God, to forgive all, all sin, all shortcomings, all rebellion, all wickedness, no matter what you've done. Jesus paid the price to set you free. And if you've never stepped into that relationship to receive his forgiveness, I wanna invite you today. Can you reach out? Can you make contact with us? We've got folks who would love to phone you, and to talk you through this, explain exactly, and then lead you in, in a prayer that will, 
will bring you into this connection, this eternal connection with your heavenly father, your creator, who made you and he made you for this relationship. So today is the day of salvation. And I wanna say, now is a brilliant time for you to come into this thing. It's not by accident that you've been tuning in and watching this. And so take hold of this opportunity, embrace it, because your, your future, your glorious, bright, magnificent, freedom-filled future is ready waiting. And uh, so step into it. So make contact through our website. There's a tab there just to contact us. And uh, also prayer requests. If there's anyone got anything you'd like us to pray with you, uh, stand in agreement, we'd, we'd love to do that. So feel free to make contact. Uh, other than that to say, each day, one o'clock, we're, we have opportunity through Facebook Live just to connect, share a short word of encouragement and to pray into the city, the nation, and uh, happy for you to join us uh, each day at one o'clock. Be blessed. Have an outstanding day, magnificent week, and look forward to connecting again in the coming days. Love you so much.